This episode of Warp 5 is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 180,000 titles for smartphone, tablet, and desktop. To get a free audiobook of your choice and help Trek FM at the same time, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. And also by Enterprise in Space, an international program of the nonprofit National Space Society. Find out how you can help science and education and become a virtual crew member aboard the NSS Enterprise Orbiter by visiting enterpriseinspace.org. And if you want to join in on the conversation and share your thoughts on this episode or any other, please join the Babel Conference, our listeners group on Facebook. Just type Babel, that's B-A-B-E-L, into the Facebook search field. We look forward to seeing you there. This is Mike Sussman, writer and producer of Star Trek Enterprise, and you're listening to Warp 5 on Trek FM. to another episode of Warp 5, Trek FM's dedicated Enterprise show. I'm your host, Floyd Dorsey, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Brandon Shea Matala. How's it going, Brandon? Um, I'm really hungry. If we could stop for a burger, I'd really appreciate that. You know, y- you can make it a double for only 40 cents. Uh, no, he'll, that's okay. We'll just, we'll just go with the single on that. Yeah, <laughs> that's... That actually was pretty funny for that episode. <laughs> and tonight we have a new Super guest beef. on with us. We are joined by the co-host of the Shore Leave podcast, Heather Barker. Welcome to Warp 5, Heather. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited. Very good. We're happy to have you here. I just want to say before we start, live long and pause. <laughs> Thank you. Perfect. And also joining us for tonight's show, we have returning guest, Patrick Devlin. Welcome back, Patrick. Oh, thanks for having me on again, guys. Oh, no problem. Glad to have you both on. So, You're Heather, a retrospective dude. We can't do it without you, Patrick. That's awesome. That sounds great because I love this season. Really? This is the last one he's on, Floyd, right? <laughs> um, yes. We hadn't talked about that yet. Okay, so so Heather, to get us started, I always like to find out how and when new guests of Warp 5 became Star Trek fans. So what series or moment uh, caught your attention for the first time? And then when did you know that you were a Star Trek fan? Oh, I like this question. It's a hard question because there's some bad memories there, but some really good stuff that I like to tell. Um, so my first Trek was Enterprise. Believe it or not, um, I had seen Trek on TV. I grew up with TNG and Voyager and everything on air, DS9. Um, I was kind of raised to think that Star Trek was for nerds, which is awful, right? Um, so it's also true. <laughs> it was really sad. Okay, in retrospect. Um, so unfortunately, um, Enterprise was not quite the Trek for me. Um, I lost interest through the second season, and although I continued watching it um, through the third and fourth seasons, I didn't really pay a lot of attention to it. Um, It wasn't really until... So I saw Nemesis in the theater, too. It wasn't until we decided in 2009, my ex-husband and I went to the Las Vegas Star Trek convention. We saw the JJ movies. They got us excited about Trek again, and we're like, let's go find our people, right? So we went to the Star Trek Las Vegas convention 
and I've been hooked since then. Um, we binged all of Star Trek except the animated series the summer previous, well, I won't say the summer, probably a couple years. It was a lot of Star Trek to watch in a year, right? Uh, <laughs> but we watched everything and I just, I paid attention. I fell in love and when I got to talk about Star Trek with everyone at the convention and, and found my tribe, found my people, that's when I just fell in love with Star Trek. And now I do a podcast about conventions. I talk about Star Trek every day. I can't imagine my life without Star Trek. And even though my story is kind of tied to my past life and my ex-husband, um, and even though the Kelvin universe got me super excited about Star Trek, I like to tell my story because you can become a fan. You can become a fan. You can become a Trekkie at any time in your life. It doesn't matter when. It just matters that you love Star Trek. Mm -hmm. Very good. I love that. I love that. I love it. Yeah. I mean, the the Kelvin movies really got my son's attention. Mm -hmm. You know, I tried to show him, you know, Enterprise and DS Nine and things like that. But after they got saw the Kelvin movies, they got excited about it yep. and they wanted to go back and watch it again. Yep. And now DS Nine is their favorite oh. series. Yeah. It's mine so, too. <laughs> right. So, I mean, they're, that's, they're, it's right there. I, I love that. I love that the Kelvin movies you know, brought you in as a fan. That's great. Yeah. I, you know, I have opinions about them. You know, they're, some are really great. I think some are not so great. Um, but overall they bring new blood and new fans to Star Trek and I love Trekkies. So I want to see our fan base grow and I'm obviously super excited about Discovery um, not just because it's Star Trek that we get to watch, but because there are people out there that don't even know. They don't know that they're about to go down the rabbit hole that is the Star Trek universe. And I'm so excited for those people and to get to meet them. Very good. Very good. I literally say that all the time. <laughs> I literally say that the best part of the Kelvin universe is that it's bringing in the new kids. Yeah. yeah. Right. And Enterprise was your first Star Trek series. Yeah. That's so interesting. That is so interesting. It, you know, so I caught, I, I remember seeing an episode of Voyager and some TNG. And I don't know if they were just bad episodes, but they they just seemed really campy. <laughs> and I, I probably did not give them a fair chance. And I, I feel bad because I've been a sci-fi fan since I was a child. Um, so the fact that I that I overlooked Star Trek or that the stigma of Star Trek caused me not to give them a chance, um, you know, it's embarrassing. I don't like to share that. But now, you know, I, I love it. I go back. I rewatch seasons constantly. I'm just now making it through the animated series. So by STOV, I will have watched it all. Um, Very good. So, yeah, Gateway Trek. And I'm I'm excited to talk about it tonight. Very good. Isn't very the good. animated series terrible? <laughs> you know, I like the animated oh, series. There's some good ones in there. It's, some of it is terrible, but I, it's a lot of fun. It's Star Trek to me. So Yeah, I actually recently watched the animated series. Uh, it was the last Trek that I ha hadn't seen. Mm -hmm. And it was probably about a year ago, and I went through and watched it. And I guess I, I think I saw the shows when I was a kid, you know, when they were actually on TV mm -hmm. as reruns or maybe first run. I don't know. But they... Uh, yeah, there's some that are really, really good and some that are just, they just kind of fill the spots. So yeah. Just like all of Star Trek, there's some that's good, right, exactly. there's some that's not so good. Um, right. I think they're fun and a lot of people don't like the art. They they speak so poorly of the animation, but I think there are some, there's some gems um, in there and some really beautiful artwork. So that's that's one of my favorite parts of the animated series, aside from just some really fun stories. 
Very good. Very good. Thank you. So, Boomers, we're not talking about the animated series tonight for Warp 5. We're actually going to be continuing our retrospective series and going deeper into the Delphic Expanse in Season 3. And again, in this section, as we have in the previous retrospective for Season 3, and because of its continuing arc format, we're going to be doing what we did in Parts 1 and 2, going in order of episode number, rather than jump around as in the past. So for tonight's retrospective, Part 3, we are going to discuss North Star, Similitude, Carpenter Street, and Chosen Realm. So I've got to say, just getting this started here, out of these four... Two of them are really knockout, I think. Maybe three. There is one though. I'm not so. I'm not so sure. I might have to have some convincing on this. So. Yeah, that similitude is not very good. <laughs> that is not <laughs> what I was thinking. But... Oh, what? <laughs> oh, great! Here we go again. Here we go again. All right. So, uh, North Star. Let's getting this started off. We uh, we find the crew in a Western setting. So Heather, what did you think about that when you saw the NXO one crew in a Western setting? Well, first I was like, am I watching Star Trek? Like, what is this in the cold open? It, 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 it was a little confusing. Um, but once we got past that, I was really excited. I think it's fun when we get to see our crews um, in a different setting. And so I, I really enjoyed it and I was excited about the episode. And Patrick, uh, what did you what do you think about this? I I love this episode, um, the story that it tells with the uh, overt racism against the what they call the skags at the time the the fact that everyone has always compared Star Trek to a Western in space anyway, and then they actually put it in a wet a Western in space, which was great, um, and just even just the way the characters acted it out, like when um, when Archer gets up and. Wants more coffee because he's trying to break up the the little thing going on between the the dep. I guess he was the deputy, right? Yeah, the deputy and and the the guy who was supposed to be helping, you know, but wasn't allowed to drink. He was trying to force him to drink and all that. Right. I loved everything about the episode, really. Very good. And and Brandon, what did what would what did you think about the western setting and our our crew uh, doing some investigating? This is very much a Star Trek episode. You know, you get those episodes in the original series where they go to the, you know, the gangster planet and, uh, you know, all like things like that. And, you know, it made me think a lot of Spectre of the Gun as I'm watching it again, right? Because that's the Western that you get in the original series. But I think it fits really well. And it's, it's, but it's odd because it's thrown in the middle of this Zindi arc and has absolutely nothing to do with the Zindi arc. You could completely excise this episode from your DVD set and it doesn't matter. You've missed nothing right. other than a good episode, right? And that's kind of what's fascinating about it. And I, I had read somewhere that, so the author of this is David A. Goodman. He wrote this and he, you know, he's gone on to work on Family Guy and Futurama and stuff like that. And he actually wrote, if you guys have read it, the autobiography of James T. Kirk, which came out last year. It was a really good book. And uh, it's, uh, I, I think he they had asked for people to write episodes that didn't have to do with the Zindi Ark just in case the Zindi Ark didn't work out. And so David A. Goodman was the first one to really come up with one like that. And yeah, so it's weird that it's, because there's, I don't know, it's weird because they mention it right at the end, right? When they say, look, we'll have to come back to take you people off this planet when we're done with the Zindi, right? Like they say that at the end, but that's really the only reference that you get to this, to this uh, Zindi arc that's going on. Right. Yeah, I actually, that's exactly what I wrote down on this. 
I, I wrote very much a TOS episode or had a, a TOS feel to it. And also, uh, why is this a standalone story in the middle of the Zindi arc? <laughs> you know, it just kind of, it just doesn't, isn't there. So this actually makes me think about what we're going to be getting in future TV that we've got going on, like discovery or future TV that we've got going on for this. We were talking about 22, 24, 26 episodes, and they had to fill in with something. And this kind of feels like a fill in, but it's a really good fill in, or at least I feel like it is. I like it as a fill in. But now when we get these narrowed, really focused story arcs, like 10 episodes, 13 episodes, we might be losing something like this. Mm -hmm. So I'm kind of, I'm a little, a little bit worried, you know, that we won't have like the below the deck, below decks type episode from TNG, or we might not have a North star episode because they're going to be so focused, hyper-focused on the actual story. Mm -hmm. So, but yeah, um, Archer and we're also not going to get any profit and lace either. And that's a shame. <laughs> Thanks. Ooh, yeah. Okay. I guess that actually that could change my mind on that. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Or, I, I, but even Babe Ruth didn't hit a home run every time he got up. I'm pretty sure he did. Like every time I ever see him, he's, he's hitting a home run. You know? <laughs> right. But but no, really. Like I, I will miss some of these episodes because one of the things I liked about this season so much was that the Zindi arc itself was great for me, but the filler episodes made it, although this one actually had a, a, a lot to think about too, but you didn't have to think so much about the whole terrorist aspect during mm -hmm. this episode. It was, it was a break from that, which I felt was needed from time to time. And we pretty much have one in every block of four that we talk about. Right. Mm -hmm. Like exile was from the last block. Right. And then the one before that, which was, uh, extinction. Oh dear Lord. Lord. Okay. So, Ooh. so we didn't need that. All right. But, uh, but it did eventually pay off because I got that really cool picture of, the crew on Fraggle's heads. So, I mean, it took a while, but it paid off. Right. Very good. So, um, just looking through this, the uh, I really liked, you know, Archer, like, channeling his Kirk. He's dressed up as a cowboy. He's playing it up. Uh, they're talking about the Blue Horns, you know, and, and it was, I don't know, it was just really, really cool. I mean, I love Westerns, and I love Star Trek, so I'm really liking this. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm liking where I'm at on this. Um, but yeah, like this kind of reminded me a little bit of Aaron and mercy maybe from original series, okay. you know, and I, I, I really enjoyed this episode. So there was definitely a mention or there's definitely a, an allegory of prejudice and bias in this. So did you enjoy, or did you appreciate how they came about this Heather? Um, yeah, you know, I thought it was an easy way to tell that story, and I thought that it was told, like, the, it was serious, but there was also some levity, um, and I think the fact that it is a standalone episode, everything is wrapped nice and neat in the little package at the end, um, so it, it works well with the story. I, um, I... It, it reminded me a lot of Spectre of the Gun and kind of how they had the same thing with the, what was it, the, I'm trying to think of the names of the two clans there. Um, oh, the OK Corral. Yeah, you know, I had the, I had the names written down the there Clantons, somewhere. The Clantons, the um, Clantons, the Earps. Yeah. The Earps, there you go. Yeah, but, you know, it's... Uh, overall, again, it, it is a very Star Trek story and that, the, you know... Humans have evolved past bigotry and 
See, the, the interesting question, I'm just going to interrupt there for a second, is that, yes, there's this story of bigotry and whatnot going on, but it does have that question of, like, how long should you have hate in your heart? You know, because these humans, yes, they overthrew the Skagarans, but they've they've oppressed them. And now what the Skagarans did to them is terrible. It took these people away from their planet and made them slaves. But how much does somebody have to suffer for previous generation's crimes? And that's what I think is an interesting question about this episode and what's the most fascinating aspect about this episode myself. And that has... has is interesting because you think about it, they have been stuck for a hundred years or however, 200 years. Yeah. I mean, they're totally stuck. They're not progressing any farther with technology. So that's also kind of a thing that you have to, you have to think about like, they're really, really stuck in their ways. Like they are, they're being, uh, you know, species against this particular race, which if you think about it, they, you know, they got stolen from earth by these aliens and then they were being forced to be like workers and then they revolted against them. So then they, they see themselves as being right in that and they don't want it to happen again. That's why they don't let the little kids learn how to read and write, but it's all looking back at like past history. Like this, there's these things have all happened in past history here on earth, our own history. And I thought that was, I thought it was pretty interesting that they could put it all into this one episode and we can see something that we you know, recognize. All right. So another, another thing that I liked about North star, maybe I didn't, maybe it's not something I liked. I actually liked that they referenced trips harmonica, but they got rid of the harmonica. So Patrick, what, you, what are you a harmonica fan? Are you a trips harmonica fan? Or did you like seeing the harmonica go? Okay, so funny story. Um, I want a harmonica <laughs> and to learn how to play it because of Trip. Okay. And my wife laughs at me constantly. So um, she constantly, you know, and a harmonica costs like six bucks. It's not even that hard to buy. It's not hard to find. You can get it anywhere. And I'm just, I always want it. And she always makes me feel so bad about it that I don't buy it. And it's all because of Trip. Right. So, yeah, I like the fact that they bring that up. Although he does okay. get rid of it. Yeah. I'm a terrible host. When have we seen the harmonica before? <laughs> he did play it previously. Did he? Yeah. He did have it remember. out. He had it out previously. The reason one, the reason that they actually gave the harmonica away is because one of the producers didn't like it. I heard that David Goodman didn't like it. Or maybe it was the writer didn't like yeah. it. Yeah. So there he you wrote go. it there out. You go. There you go. So. We'll have to ask him if we ever get him on the show. I actually had that up. I was like, uh, that was a question I wanted to ask him if we ever have him on. Is like, what do you what do you have against harmonicas? You know, <laughs> what do you, what, what's the problem? Probably but, the same thing my wife does. Oh well, that they're for nerds, right? But so is Star Trek. Very good. So yeah, North Star. It, I I thought that I thought it was a home run, even though it doesn't have anything to do with this indie arc. I'm glad that we have it. You know, so. There's one thing in this episode that really throws me for a loop, and it's done with the editing, and it's it's either right before or right after Archer uh, breaks that woman out of prison. There's a wipe. There's a scene wipe, and it's like, it's so weird because you never see that in Star Trek. 
like you see it all the time in Star Wars. George Lucas uses them all the time, like those irising, irising editing, irising open, irising close, right. wiping across the screen, wiping up the screen or whatever. And there's a wipe from right to left in the screen, and you never see that on Star Trek. It completely pulls me out of the episode every time I see it. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. I've, I've never, never noticed it. Yeah, I didn't notice it ever. Now I'm gonna see oh, it. Okay. You just ruined the entire episode for everyone listening. <laughs> I'm so sorry. So I've sorry. actually, I have not noticed it, but it, if it was, was it after a joke or like, what was, no, no, it was the, it was the breakout when, when he gets her out of prison. I like the, pre- yeah, it, it's not during a breakout. It's during the middle of the episode. Hmm. It's like, it, it, it's yeah. It's no, either he, right before or right, right after. It's right so. around there, which I'm fast forwarding to as soon as we're ending here. <laughs> right. Yeah. And there's a wipe right to left and I'm, I, there's nothing else in the, ep- I don't think there's another one in the episode. It's just, I just, it sees it. And I'm like, what are they doing? So, okay. They don't do that. Okay. So think about it. Like they are in a, in a Western, like I've not, I've not ever noticed it, but it might be because I'm used to watching Westerns and I'm used to watching, you know, shows like that maybe. And then wipes are more common in other shows. So maybe that's why I didn't even notice it. I don't know. I, mm. now I'm going to be looking for it. Right. Yeah. But if, even if that was the case, then they should have done it the whole episode. Right. Yeah. Not once, but. Well, that's why I was Thanks, thinking, Brandon. was it after a joke or was there like something like that was said that was kind of funny and then whoop, wipe away, you know? And Well, <laughs> how I mean, breaking out of prison in a Western is as stereotypical as it gets. So <laughs> jailbreak. Yeah. <laughs> I was just seen a jailbreak before. Right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so back back to parts that actually happened in the episode that weren't crazy editing things. One of the things I liked about this episode, too, was that it still kept the theme of the season while having nothing to do with the season. Cause it's still about judging a people by how they were born opposed okay, to, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. you know, cause we, we find that when you first start this season that the, everyone just, the Zindi want all, all of, of the people from earth dead and people from earth now want every, every Zindi dead. And there's a whole lot of crossover of people who don't even know this war is happening during these episodes to, to show, you know, that just because you're having a war with the two governments, let's say, doesn't mean that everyone's on board and then this episode basically does the same thing like you brought up brandon with the um you know how long do they have to pay for the misdeeds of their of their ancestors and um you know they it's not even that they're just paying for it they're not even they're literally being held down from even learning how to read mm-hmm. i mean this is they didn't just like make them a lower class citizen they tried to make them not people right subhuman almost you know. slaves it was almost slaves. oh yeah they are slaves right. i mean and uh, and this is all because they, under the guise of, we never want them to do it to us again. Right. So that makes it justified. In their mind, right. right. Which mm-hmm. is which is exactly why the Zindi are attacking Earth, because they don't want Earth to destroy them in whatever many years that's going to take to happen. I like that. Yeah, that's interesting. Mm. I, never, I never really thought of it that way. I like that, Patrick. That's good. I like that they brought in the kids, and it's just, it's such a good moral in this episode and i feel like by having the kids there it's like you know again it's star trek moral that you would pass on to your kids and and having the kids for me just kind of emphasizes that part even though they don't have a huge role um but um you know it had a nice neat ending with the schoolroom and and we're teaching our kids about the future now and and teaching them at all (laughs) um but i i thought that was pretty meaningful since we don't have a lot of star trek episodes with kids and that, that also is very on the point that, um, I mean, these, the, the people that we're seeing here didn't have anything to do with the abduction of the humans. 
and they actually didn't have anything to do with the revolt. So they're, they're removed hundreds of years from any of those happening, but they're still living it out as if they were the ones doing it. So now you bring in the children who are actually innocents and really have nothing to do with it, but yet they're still being punished for something that happened centuries before. So mm-hmm. actually, I like that you mentioned that about the kids, because that, that does hit it on that right on the head about, you know, the innocence and it's not really their fault. Why are they being punished? Yeah. And speaking of punish, sorry, the word punishment just made me think of it. In the beginning, we see that they, they hang the guy, right? They hang him to kill him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And then she says, he says to the, the, the woman um, that you find out later is half mm-hmm. uh, of that race, but says to her, you know, well, if I would have been around, he would have at least gotten a trial. And then she goes, yeah, but he would have been found guilty anyway. And he goes, well, you know, it's illegal to for a skag to murder a human, even if it was in defense. Mm-hmm. Well, that's ridiculous. Yeah. Just that whole set of laws is ridiculous. Right. But there are actually examples of that in our in our own human history. Oh, absolutely. You know? But and this is what I love so much about Star Trek is that yeah. it does draw back. I mean, mm-hmm. this is really an allegory of slavery in America and right. Jim Crow laws and yeah. other things like that. But... Yep. Um, you know, and then they draw on that, and then they make us talk about those issues in somewhat of an abstract way before getting back to what they're really talking about. Yeah, I would like to know what happens, like if if, if they ever went back, and if they had truly evolved past that bigotry. Um, you know, what happened to these people? I don't yeah. know if it gets covered in any books, but that would be interesting to see. There are Skagarans in Starfleet later on. I remember the name from some of the. I don't remember if it's. Uh, uh, I think it might have been one of. Uh, either David Max or Dayton Ward's later novels, but I, I know that Skagarans are mentioned again. Maybe it was Christopher L. Bennett nice. with his uh, Enterprise novels, but uh, I know the Skagarans are mentioned in the books a few times. But they don't really say what happened on the planet, so I think the implication is that everything went okay. Yeah. Overall, it was, you know, nice, neat, good Star Trek morals and a little package with a bow at the end. Uh, feel-good episode. And and did, did you did you appreciate Reed's uh, tactical... Uh, decision that he made by stunning to Paul the hostage no yes <laughs> just the one woman I, okay I get you know it was it was funny it was a fun moment it was fun that he did that um it was kind of a bummer I you know we didn't get a whole lot of girl power in this episode <laughs> that so is true, yeah. I wish that to Paul had like pun- you know we got an archer punch couldn't we have had it to Paul punch right it, or if what if it was reversed you know, yeah. I mean, that actually, that would, I would, I would like that even more yeah. because Tapal's going to be illogical about it. Yeah. And she's going to shoot Reed. You know? Yeah, that would have been great. So Yeah, they get back up to the ship doing some, hey, Reed, let's do some phaser practice in the armory. Right. Go stand against that wall. That. Go stand against that wall. <laughs> yeah. Reed's going to get his later. You know, Tapal's not, she doesn't let stuff like that slide. Let's just say that. All right, so let's go ahead and switch to the next episode, which is Similitude. And I'm sure we don't have much to say about this one. So we can just kind of probably just smooth right over that, right? It's pronounced <laughs> Similutidi. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> so our cold open with Trip in the Casket. It, it surprises me. It surprised me the first few times I actually watched this episode. So Heather, what did you think when you saw Trip in the Casket? Yep, I think it's a standout moment for Enterprise um, because you're shocked. You don't, what is going on is basically what I said. I do this a lot. I have my what moment. <laughs> um, that's pretty much what it was. Very good. And he was actually, it was a torpedo 
hole, right? Is that yeah? So that right. So Patrick, uh, seeing Trip in the casket, did you think it was all over for for uh, Trip there? I actually yes. I, I thought we were going to see a main character, you know, perish, um, and one that I, I actually liked a lot. And I know you guys didn't agree with me with the whole to Paul screaming and yelling thing, but I actually like the cold openings that we're having in this season because you don't know what to expect. And then it cuts off and then you got to watch, you know, back then I had to watch commercials and the, the beginning scenes and all that before we got in and found out what really happened. But when you first see him die, you're like, oh, how? how? You got to tell me how. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Oops. Uh oh, spaghettios. Well, what's sad is, again, I was watching this with. I couldn't really. I mean, I can't say the things I would have said on here either, but I was watching with my grandmother, remember, so I couldn't say them then either. But, like, I thought I missed an episode. I thought he died and I missed it. You watch this with your grandma. Speaking of that, we got the massage in this episode. Uh. Oh, boy. <laughs> we do. And that was all a cheesy ruse to get her just to wear a nightgown. Uh. Um. That was cut in the middle. We haven't seen the massage in a while. Okay, so I like this episode a lot. (laughs) And why did that come up with my grandmother? This is a great episode of Star Trek. However, upon hindsight and rewatches, I don't like the teaser because it's it's a cheap cop out. The first time you watch it, it's great because you're like, "What's going on?" But after rewatches, I think it's a cheesy fake out. You know, like ah, I don't know. But that's that's the only bad thing I have to say about the episode. Very good. Very good. Yeah. On the, on the cold open, I see it now. And after I've seen it and I know who it is, it kind of like, Oh man, there he is. He did, he did the thing. He did the thing that he had to do. So yeah, it is different. It's definitely different after you've seen it the first time. Cause the first time it's kind of shocking. You're like, you're thinking that maybe this actor is not going to be on the show anymore. And like, man, I like trip. You know, I like I like Connor Trenier and now, now there he is. And that also brought to mind, um, is it the end of Wrath of Khan where they where they put, yeah, they put Spock, Spock in the yeah. tube? Spock yeah. in the tube, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because Spock has to give his life in order to take down Khan. Right. So on this, we have a moral dilemma where Phlox gives, provides all the available options to Archer, and he's got this uh, larvae that they can inject with the DNA, and we can actually clone someone, or at least it's never been tried on humans before. So... I kind of thought this was kind of prime directive ish again, you know, as in it again, here's Flox giving us a moral dilemma that might need to be referenced or, you know, a law made against or a rule or something like that. So Heather, what did, what did you think when they had to turn to uh, creating a clone uh, and then Archer having to actually deal with the decision or maybe what did you think about his decision? Um, so I, I find this episode really interesting. It reminds me a lot of the Tuvix episode in Voyager, um, and a very mm-hmm. similar dilemma is that they both face, although Archer ultimately isn't forced to make the final decision, whereas Janeway was. Um, right. <sighs> I think it's really interesting that, you know, Archer does make the decision to do this and keeps his distance from Trip. Um, I think it says a lot about their characters and, and how close they really are. Um, and Archer's vulnerability there. Um, I think it was the right decision. Ultimately, you know, they need Trip. It really sucks um, that, you know, Sim has to choose to give up his life. Um, but I think he does so with dignity. And it makes this episode um, definitely a standout for this season. 
Right. And then uh, Tapal points out why this is wrong. Like you shouldn't do this. You shouldn't do this. And Archer actually says, I'm aware of the ethical implications. If we weren't in the expanse, maybe my decision would be different, but we've got to complete this mission. Earth needs enterprise. Enterprise needs trip. It's as simple as that. Yep. Mm-hmm. And it's, so, it's, it's a lot better than his usual. I had no choice. Um, right. It's this little catchphrase, right? <laughs> right. And then this could also, I mean, getting into at this time, like political, like the, the what was going on actually in the world at that time, the U.S. Uh, could have been making some decisions that they were justifying or they were just, you know, they were saying that we have to do this. You know, even if it's a bad thing, we have to do this. So I just kind of wondered, does this kind of be a comment on that? You know, what do, what do you think about that, Brandon? I don't think it's a comment on that. Like, when I watch this, there are two clear things that I'm thinking about when I watch this episode. I'm thinking of one of the main plots is I'm thinking about the ethics of cloning, mm-hmm. right? And what does that mean? And what rights would something have if you're creating it? For a purpose. Right. So this Sim was created for the sole purpose of harvesting his organs. And he wouldn't have been created had they not needed those organs. So what rights does this thing have if that's the purpose of it being created? And then the other thing, and I don't know, maybe I'm crazy, but I was thinking about this a lot, is this episode makes me think a lot of abortion. Yep. Because, you know, they're sitting here talking, like, when did this become a person right because right. you know in a baby grows in you for nine months at what point does it become a person right well this similitude is going to last for 18 days well at what point did we get attached to this and this is our friend now so i don't know that was really strongly in my mind as i was watching this episode the last couple times but especially this time here yeah and what would it have been different if he had not actually evolved into trip Mm-hmm. Like, because in, in, I had trouble understanding how he retained all these memories of trips, um, the, the science there with the tissue and everything. I, I wasn't quite sure why he would have all of trips memories right. and just be trip altogether. I think Locke um, said something about that. It was like a new discovery, possibly that we have genetic memory, you know, in okay. humans yeah. now, which okay. would lead on to the Assassin's Creed video games. I, I might have. Yeah. I have, I have whole... something to add to that when you're done your thought there, Heather. I've got something to add to yeah, that. Yeah, I might have glossed over that part, but I, I think that it would have been completely different if this had just been someone else and not Trip. Like, if you look at the clone from the second episode of D Space Nine, A Man Alone. Mm-hmm. Right? I don't know if you remember that one. That's the one where Odo's convicted uh, on trial for murder, and it turned out that the Bajoran killed his own clone. Right? And that clone, like, it's a long time before it even starts to look human, right? It looks like this big blob. So if at the end of this life cycle it's just a blob and you can pull something out of it and give it DNA to trip, how are you going to feel about it? But as far as the memory thing, um, a friend of ours uh, and uh, co-host on the network here, uh, Tony Black, has an X-Files podcast. And I was on an episode from season two of the X-Files with him about, uh, the episode was called Aubrey. And in that, we had a really interesting destruct- d- discussion about genetic memory, because I think that's what that episode was about. And one of the examples that I used is, when I was a teenager, I was laying on the floor 
watching TV with my hands underneath my chin like this, looking up at the TV. And my aunt said to me, your dad used to sit like that and watch TV. I never lived with my dad. So why would I do that? And when I make a point and when I talk, I enunciate my words the way that my dad does. And there's one hand motion that my dad does where he does this. He puts his hand at a 90 degree angle and he points like this and he makes, he enunciates his points like this. And I do that. And I've never lived with my dad. I've been around him, but I've never lived with him. Why do I do those things? Well, that's kind of a genetic memory that's been passed down from my dad to me. And that's what I get out of it as well is that it's, but they're, they're expanding on it. Like these are actual memories that he's having as opposed to actions. Right. right. I think the, the point of him having the genetic memories doesn't necessarily bother me. It's that as he gets older, he remembers more of them. Mm-hmm. Right. It's a little yeah. confusing. Like either he knew it or he didn't. It's not like, Oh, well I'm supposed to be 12 now. So I remember everything up to being 12, yeah. you know, like um, that just was a little weird. Now we're getting a little uh, temporal. Yeah, it gets out of right. But that's the, that part, if they don't have that, you don't have the conflict yeah. at the end of the episode. That's the only thing. I like to it. say, you know, it, right, it right. is science fiction, so we do have to suspend belief um, at some Wait, point. Are you saying this isn't real? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> Believe what? it or not. <laughs> but didn't we also go to outer space and someone thought we... Oh, wait. Wrong movie. <laughs> okay. Um, no, but other than that... the. The whole, I never even thought of the abortion angle, but it actually fits perfectly yeah. now that you said it. But uh, at the time, too, we were also, that was about when we were cloning sheep here in America and stuff. And we were also starting to try and clone, I believe this is right around the same time that they were cloning um, like human ears on rats' backs and whether that was ethical or not. So this is kind of commentary to that. Although I don't think the rats. I guess they would have to die if you ripped an ear off their back, but I don't really know. I didn't look into it that much. Um, so I think a lot of this has to do with that. And does I think it's a big question of does the ends justify the means? The ship needs trip. The the war needs the ship. So does does letting this being perish? You know, does, is that justifiable under these circumstances? Is a big question that they uh, because they took the easy way out of of him giving up himself, they they won't really answer that question for you. Yeah. Right. Okay, Patrick just said that was the easy way out. So if you want to talk to Patrick about that, his yeah. his handle is <laughs> at Magic Drop 5. Why does everyone keep doing this to me on every podcast? <laughs> <laughs> Very good. So No, I mean, I don't mean that the Sim took the easy way out. I mean that the writers let him do it on his own instead of having him be forced to. Man, so if you really want to contact me, because I'm going to get yelled at now, it's Magic Drop 5 on Twitter, and I'm always on the Babel conference. Just yell at me. Very good, very good. So I was actually referencing like Dark Archer here. You know, Dark Archer took a deep, dark turn after Earth was attacked. And it was he's feeling a lot of pressure. I mean, his his hair's messed up. He's unbuttoned a couple buttons at the top, you know, for season three here. And his when he th- I do that when I eat too much turkey at Thanksgiving, <laughs> but it's on my belt. <laughs> well, Archer's doing it when he think the world is on his shoulders. You know, he has to get this done. So this was an exchange that he had with Sim. He said, I must complete this mission. And to do that, I need trip trip. I'll take whatever steps necessary to save him. And Sim says, even if it means killing me, and Archer replies, even if it means killing you. So this was Archer, you know, we get down to later when he steals a warp core and he, 
you know, he basically just maroons a crew out in the middle of space, you know, only on impulse. This is another decision of Archer going down a dark path to try to get it done. And the ends justify the means in his case. That's what he's, he's thinking. Earth needs this. We have to do this. And I mean, I, I don't know if he mentioned maybe that he was going to walk him down by phaser point or maybe Sim asked him if he was, or maybe I'm just making that up or I'm just connecting it. But I mean, I could see that happening here. So um, what, what did you think about Dark Archer, Patrick? Well, again, I, I just want him. I mean, and he comes close this time, but again, he doesn't actually pull the trigger himself. He doesn't actually do it. Like we were talking about Regine. There's no way you're getting off the ship. If you, if, if, I wanted Archer to tell him, no, you're going to die, man. That's it. End of story. I'm not even letting you have this conversation and just move on. Right. But but he doesn't do it. The closest, this is probably the closest we get to that till he maroons that, that crew. Right. You know, of the whole season, this is the closest he gets to just being done with it all and saying, my ends justify my means and I'm going to do whatever it takes. And here it is, and phasering him until he passes out. Well, I almost think that this is, like, maybe the darkest. I, I almost kind of see this as being darker than, you know, him marooning the crew, you know, almost. Ugh. I mean, that's if he would have, yeah, but I think, it, I guess that's true. So I guess that's this true. Is one, right? But, yeah, I mean, he's, I, I like, think... literally going to kill this guy. I mean, Janeway did the, made the same decision in Tuvix. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, but we didn't. But he doesn't. He doesn't have to. He's not actually forced to. But he would shoot have. You guarantee he would have. I don't know. He didn't shoot Regine, and that, I would have shot her. And that's, you know, I don't even care if we win the war, and I would have shot her. Right. Well, Heather, on that silence. That, that was a back. <laughs> that was a back. We had a. We were talking about uh, military strategy, and in Regine, she had actually stolen their biological. Uh, basically the plans, their plans, mm -hmm. and they were stealing her off the ship. Do you remember that episode? Yeah, yeah. And, and it references the next episode. Right. So we were just saying that, you know, Archer had her. He could have he could have taken he could have taken that option out for them, but he didn't. So we were saying he hadn't reached that dark point yet that he was willing to like just to sacrifice her in order for the mission. But now here we are and he's willing to sacrifice Sim for the mission. So I thought that was very, very interesting. Yeah. And again, I think that a lot, you know, Sim is going to die anyway. You know, Sim only lives for what, 15 days? Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, but, but Sim. Um, oh, right. He has the. Phlox had the thing, the enzyme. To poten right, which they don't know is going to work on a human or not. But, but by the time they find out if it does work or not, it'll be too late is the problem. Right. Yeah. If he right. would have brought that up, it. On day two, it might have had enough time to work, but now it doesn't. Uh, you know, Trip will be dead if they try that that method. Yeah, right. very good. Which I, I like the fact that that's the way it was because if you could have done it earlier on, then it makes it, you know, then they would have started that and you fix Trip and you hope he still lives. And now and we, that, that's not even an option, right? Now that's not even an option. You you have to pick one or the other. So this this was a knockout episode for me. I really like this episode. I mean, it, even at the end, it can kind of get you a little lump in your throat. You know, when you when yeah. it pans over to Trip and sees him standing there, you know, looking down at Sim. Uh, this was the first screenplay written by Manny Cotto after he was brought on as co-executive producer. And mm -hmm. man, he knocked it right out of the park. Uh, and we talked with him in episode 100 of Warp 5. If you haven't listened to that interview, please go back and yep. check it out. So we, we actually told him then that Sim Similitude is one of our top episodes also this episode won an emmy award for velton ray bunch's musical comp composition hmm. so mm -hmm. that's 
this is a nice episode and it was actually it's won awards it's it's a really standout episode i think I want to add two more things to this before we move on. Uh, I really like the B-plot with these magnetic rocks on the hull. I think that's really cool. And uh, I I really like that a lot. And also, I would like to see some of the more complex uh, Vulcan massage therapy (laughs) positions. Can I add something really quickly since we're going to talk about T'Pol there? Um, I had an issue with with T'Pol and Sim. Because I really didn't, I understand why they had Sim confess those feelings to T'Pol, but I felt mm-hmm. like that was such a violation of Tripp's privacy. Right. Um, did anybody else have a problem with that? Yeah. Well, I, I think didn't. they got around it because he said, I don't know if they're my feelings or his. Right, but he's still, right. he's still really divulging. Uh, and I mean, I think we all know at this point, it's insinuated, right? That right. there's something developing there. Um, right. I can I can see how, how you can kind of skirt under the table with that. But to me, it just it just kind of felt like a violation of Tripp's privacy. Yeah, I can see that. Hmm. I can see that. I mean, uh, I never really thought about it. I, I, I mean, I just assume she knew because she's Vulcan. <laughs> See, and I guess I never thought about it because I despise shipping in Star Trek, <laughs> but the only relationship that I shipped was to Paul and Tripp. So I'm like, yes, so now she knows. Right. Yeah. I yeah. really, I really like them. And I mean, this was a, this, this episode was a great opportunity to really push that, you know, development of that relationship forward. Um, but I was just like, oh. You know, now we've had this moment, and it's not actually between T'Pol and Trip; it's between T'Pol and Sim. Yeah. Um. So, makes me and now, sad. And now Sim's not going to be there, and Trip comes in and goes, "What did I miss?" Yeah. And T'Pol says, <laughs> "And T'Pol says, well, we kissed. Oh, that was all him. That uh, had nothing to do with me. That was all Sim.' Yeah. yeah. Uh. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it would definitely make it uncomfortable. It's creating drama for later because now she knows." That he knows that he doesn't know, or something, <laughs> you know. So, yeah, I can, I can, I can appreciate that. Poor guy. Uh, yeah, poor guy. He's always the last of the party. <laughs> yeah. All right. No, Reed is the one that's last of the party. Yeah, Reed, Very Reed's true. always last. <laughs> All right. So the next episode, I don't have that much to say. <laughs> I love this episode. Oh, okay, okay. So Carpenter At Street. Least Carpenter talk. Street. So. Brandon loves it. Are you kidding? Or are you serious? No, I like this okay. episode a lot. I actually, I real, I watch all shows and I'll go through, but there's some that I'll kind of skip because I already know what's going to happen, or I, I'm just not interested in watching it. I kind of skip this one sometimes. So, why? What? What's? What makes it really interesting for you, Brandon? It's 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 another type of a breather episode. However, it is very central to the Zindi plotline. And we've had, they've been building up to this with a couple of episodes, like prior to Regine as well as Regine. Because they had mentioned at one time previous, they're like, look, if you can't get this weapon up and running, we're going to go with our other plan. And we don't find out what that other plan is. And then Regine happens and she's stealing this DNA and we don't really understand what's going on. Well, here now we know why she's been stealing that DNA, right? Yeah, maybe it didn't have to happen in the past. But I don't know. I like the idea of them being in modern times. Um, I like the idea of them stealing blood types, people with certain blood type. I think that's an original concept that we haven't seen in Star Trek yet. And I like the fact that the Zindi are going against 
sorry, the Zindi reptilians are going against the rest of the Zindi by doing this, uh, by proceeding with this plan. Yeah. And that shows how far they're willing to go and what kind of a threat the Zindi reptilians are going to become. Very good. I also really enjoy the fact that he's finally going to prove to DePaul that you can time travel. <laughs> and even when convinced. she gets there, <laughs> you know, even when she gets there, she's like, We'll figure it. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see. I'm, I'm still not we're, fully convinced. We're like, we're, I, what city were they at? I forget what Detroit. city. Detroit. Yeah. Okay, right. So you're in Detroit in 2004, and you still don't believe it? When was the last time you saw a car? Right. Never? Right. I mean, but she's still looking for gas stations. So, whatever. But I, I, I actually enjoyed the episode a lot, too, because it is a fun episode, even though it's crazy. Um and the whole scene in the car with the burgers and stuff was great. But oh yeah. Tapal drove me nuts on that scene because do you have anything not made of meat product or whatever animal products? <laughs> and then they're like, oh, well, we can add chicken to that for seventy five cents. And instead of just saying no, I'll have a salad. She doesn't eat anything. Yeah, she's got to have her her. That's her Vulcan <laughs> stuck upness, you know, or just whatever. Just a I guess. salad. <laughs> no chicken, thank you. But I love this guy because he's so greasy. Like, oh, this guy is nice. so greasy and he's eating this greasy food. And uh, I and think the last time we saw him on Star Trek was in Voyager. And he played the hologram yes. that was, like, against and people, right? he was right? creepy, like, too. Yes. He was creepy in that. This guy's always creepy. He was in Alien Resurrection. Yep. He was the guy in Seven who was, like, freaking out because yes. he had to use the knife to... This is a family show. Yep. And, you know, like... Wait, what? he's that guy? Yes. <laughs> yes. I didn't know that. He's that creepy guy. Yes, this, He's always yeah. the same kind of guy. This is He's hilarious because when we were watching it, we're like, hey, it's that guy. And we're like, okay, well, what have we seen him in? And I go and I look on IMDb and I'm like, well, we've seen him in Star Trek. Duh. I think we've just seen him so much that we recognize him from Star Trek. Right. <laughs> so basically I call him creepy dude. That His Loomis, he's played by Leland Orser. And he, he also appeared in DS9 Sanctuary, DS9 The Die is Cast, and as the murderous hologram in voyager revulsion so yeah he's one of those guys with like the the women had like the crazy hair up and like the little sand pimples all over their right. foreheads in d space yep. nine season yep. two so yeah to me every <laughs> every time he's on he's a creepy guy you know and he played yeah. it up and like you said he just looked greasy and creepy and uh he's great for this role i think this is the best definitely. one definitely that's true yeah. that's true yeah so here's fun here's something they actually asked this question in the show why did Archer and T'Pol have to go? Because <laughs> yeah. we don't have an episode for okay. it. Because, <laughs> I mean, they no. actually, T'Pol asked Archer, she said, why doesn't Daniels just go? And Archer was like, because there's not enough time. And T'Pol says, they, don't they have all the time in the world or something? <laughs> you know? Well, apparently, no, they, they try and answer that too because he says, um, which is kind of cool because uh, they they end up kind of fixing some problems they have in continuity, whatever, mm-hmm. by saying, "Well, it hasn't rippled through oh, yet." Oh, that's right. So, so we don't even know about the weapon. So they're kind of already answering their own question that if they wait too long, they might not know to go back and fix right. it. Okay. So, and that actually made, and he would have to get permission. Yeah, I'm glad you said that because that actually made me think of that. Some some are thinking of. Uh, Enterprise being on a different time thing, you know, than the original series because the ships look so different and all that good stuff. And that could be like, what if we're watching original series before the temp- the ripples come through? <laughs> you know, I mean, I, that's what I had thought of. 
Right, but that kind of fixes any problems where you go, well, that doesn't make any sense considering what we saw in Enterprise. Right. Well, that's because we didn't ripple through yet. The, the, you know, the incursion hasn't rippled through yet, or the the change right. hasn't made it to them yet. Yeah, because Daniels actually didn't know where they were, or didn't know about them, or something. Which I don't know how he knew about yeah, them. But he knew about it's them. A little weird, but he he had to get permission to go, and they were going to say no. Mm-hmm. So he decides, well, the heck with it. Then I'll just send people back. Right. But somehow I was still able to requisite uh, a whole bunch of uh, tags, temporal tags, to send stuff back to this time. Right. So, Which, so we found out that Archer, he can drive a truck because he can pilot a starship. So does that mean because I can drive a truck, I can pilot a starship? Yeah, no. Oh, okay. It doesn't work that way? <laughs> I don't think it works that oh. way. No, because the truck's way easier to drive than the starship. Yeah, it's got, it's got, what is it, foot foot pedals? Well, and Here's the kicker. The captain doesn't drive the starship. True. But Arch, Archer was supposed to be known as being like an amazing pilot. You know, he was all captains are amazing pilots, aren't yeah, they? He's he was supposed to have been an amazing pilot later or something like that. I completely forgot Daniels was in this episode. So I don't know, I like Daniels and I liked seeing him in this episode oh, and of course uh, he was in the episode. He, we went back in time. I know, but I forgot about it. You know, I forgot that he was in it. So I, I like that. Yeah, the ripples haven't gone through yet, so that's why you gotta go back because they haven't he can't go back in time because they haven't affected him yet, right? right. So So Heather, what did you think about Carpenter Street? Um, I thought it was a fun episode. It, it, it it's it's the my third in this set of four. Um, I thought it was fun. I thought that I liked seeing T'Pol and I liked the humor involved with T'Pol. Um, the storyline because I've I've just sat down to watch these four together and it's been a while since I've watched Enterprise, so I didn't even remember um, the reference to the the biological weapon. So it it kind of felt like this weird little hiccup um, where we're gonna mention Zindi, but there's not a whole lot to it. Right. Um, but overall, I liked it. Again, it's nice to see an episode that's not a bottle episode. Um, and I like in this set of four, we've got, you know, two that aren't and two that are. Um, in doing my research, I, I learned that this one didn't have great ratings. Um, and, and I can kind of see why. Um, overall, I don't think it was super strong, but it was fun. And it's time travel. And I think... You know, a lot of fans really enjoy time travel, and and I did. So, I just wonder. I wonder because I can say that when I watch Voyager, when they go back to 1994, I don't really enjoy that. Yeah. And I just wonder if that might be it. Like it's we're we're watching Star Trek to see the future. Yeah. And and this is so close. Like I honestly, when we went back at first, I thought we were in the 70s. Um, and I, I think it was just because of that car. Well, and Loomis. I right, mean, Loomis right, just looks right, like he's right. from the seventies, and so it took me a minute to realize. Oh no! Wow. Okay. Um, well, now that would have actually probably been cooler. Yeah, I would have enjoyed that more. <laughs> yeah. What if they went back to the seventies? Um, but you know, I you know I'm a fan of the Voyage Home. It's my favorite of the films, so I like the time travel there. Okay. Yeah, I was gonna, just going to say, Floyd, what'd you think of the Voyage Home then? I mean, if you don't like that, oh, he's shaking his head. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Heather, we need a new Sorry. host for the show. <laughs> it's just this episode. I can, it's Loomis. Loomis is creepy, okay? If he wasn't on X-Files, he should have been. Okay. Well, speaking, he, speaking of creepy, did you get all the Halloween references that are in here? I don't think The Carpenter? So. I mean, John Carpenter? Carpenter Street? The characters, Loomis, Strode, those are all Myers. They reference Mr. Oh, Myers. Jeez, I did oh, not catch goodness. that. That is awesome. Yeah. Whoop, whoop, wow. whoop, whoop. Holy smokes. Wow. I did not get that. I did not I'm catch not that I'm not quite sure where that came from, um, but I did catch them, and I thought that was pretty groovy. 
Um, I thought Loomis sounded familiar. <laughs> yeah. Okay, you want to know? I didn't realize that was his name. I know he kept saying <laughs> Loomis, but you know what? I think in Canada, Loomis is like a an armored truck service that yeah. like does money. Oh, right. So I thought that was like his code word. He's like, you know, when you come, you pretend to be the money truck and you say Loomis or whatever. I don't know why he's driving. I don't know why I thought that. Wow. But Sam Loomis. Oh, my okay, goodness. Okay, now that's awesome. a reason to go watch the show again. Go watch this episode because now I'm going to look for the Halloween references. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much. That's that's awesome. You're welcome. Right, I have another good. fun tidbit if you want. Sure. Yes. So I, when I was looking at uh, the cast for this episode, I was really surprised that Jeffrey Dean Morgan was in it mm. because I didn't remember Jeffrey Dean Morgan being in it. Um, he's in what Walking Dead right now. He's, right. Uh, he's Negan. Negan, yeah. Um, and he was in. Was he in Watchmen too? Yes. I yes. think so. Yeah. Yes. So pretty pretty big actor. So this was, I guess, before he got super popular. Um, and I went in and I was reading through. Was he a Zindi? Or yeah, what? he was the Zindi reptilian. I think the one that had the lines. Wow. Okay. Didn't have a name, but had lines. Um, and I thought it was really interesting that I I read that apparently he really did not enjoy being in the makeup and and actually said that this episode made him want to quit acting. Oh. But I, he didn't. Thank goodness. Right. Um, definitely. Well, I, but definitely not a fan of prosthetics. Not a fan of putting on makeup. And that was a serious, serious makeup job. Like to be a reptilian is a serious makeup job. Yeah, and I we, mean that had to be out, you know, at least eight hours, probably. Right. If not more. Wow. Yeah, probably more. Yeah, I thought that was really interesting. I was, I was like, oh, and I, I can't. I guess I think that he has a, a certain voice that you would recognize, and I didn't recognize the voice as the as the reptilian Zindi. So I was like, huh, okay. I didn't recognize it either. Fun to have a guest star like that, although you had no idea that it was him. Maybe he played Porthos. <laughs> <laughs> so very good, very good. So, did anyone else have a problem with the idea that this guy, this Zindi, thought he was going to throw this tube into like a exhaust fan and kill off seventy percent of the world? <laughs> I think it, he was just going to try to kill as many as he could. I guess I don't. Know. Yeah, but like the number they gave was if you kill seventy percent of the population, right? Then the the, the Earthlings don't create a. A risk later on. Right. Yeah. Well, he wanted to. If they had the other blood type, they would have killed everybody. How right? far I, was this cloud going to go? Well, no, it would have been something that would have been like passed on and passed on. Like, have you ever seen the Planet of the Apes movie, The Rise of the Planet of the Apes, and how that ape disease? Like, the the pilot is the one that gets it. And if you watch through the end credits and stuff, it shows the pilot going on his plane, and then it's just a map, and it's a red line of his plane, and it lands in a populated airport, and then it spreads. Wow. And then all of those lines land in a populated airport, and they spread from there. And it's like that's—I just assumed it would be something like that, like that it would get to a hundred people, which would go to a thousand people, which would go to ten thousand people. Yeah. Oh, I thought of it more of like a, not that kind of biological warfare. Yeah, that's that's what I but, thought it was. But um, but there's, there's actually an iPhone game like that, and apparently the Zindi never played it because that doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, I know, I know that game. I actually have played that game. I know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah. I, I can't beat any of the levels, but and I'm trying to look it up on my phone to find out what the name of it is. Oh well, they didn't pay to get advertised on our show. So. <laughs> yeah, true, but but the point is, is it, you you give someone a disease and you have to, to take out all the whole world. Right. Yeah, and the Cindy didn't play if they thought this was going to work. Right. Well, I think he was just going to take out whoever he could because he knew he couldn't make it back, and he knew that he had his delivery system was already destroyed or whatever. So I'm just going to take out this block. Of people, and then yeah, everything just went really. Maybe wrong. it'll maybe it'll work. And I have to say that this episode was a 
it was a application or it was like a, a it was a chance for uh, Bakula to show that he can do a crime drama, you know, like a modern time crime drama, you know, because he's chasing him. He's jumping over buildings. He's, you know, that if you'll go back and watch the scenes of him chasing them, like when the camera comes up close to him, the way he's holding his gun, the way he's talking on the on his uh, communicator, things like that. I think this like this let Bacula show people that hey, I can go do CSI after this. <laughs> so I think, I think it fits CSI with the <laughs> carpenters. I think it fits with you know our our hero captain, right? Um, and oh, yeah. we see a lot of that with Archer, and then along you know with T'Pol being there. We, they, they play off of her Vulcanism or right. her being Vulcan. Um, so it's a great opportunity to showcase both of those aspects of their character. Well, being Vulcan is not necessarily an aspect of her character, but uh, the traits that come along with being Vulcan, I guess. All right. So our next episode is Chosen Realm. So we have the crew that are investigating another sphere and they get seen by these aliens who think that they're just perfect for them. And it turns out that they have ulterior motives on this. So Patrick, what did you think about chosen realm? Um, I think this is a typical, uh, I don't know. It's kind of star Trek's with the exception of DS nine. This is kind of their take on religious fanatics mm-hmm. in general. Right. They just, they kind of show them as, as this kind of character and, I mean, they're literally taking over the the ship so they can win a war and justifying it by, well, you you uh, uh, you stepped on a, a sphere, which is sacrilegious in our religion. So, you know, we're supposed to punish you. I don't know. I, I like the episode, I guess. It just it didn't really do much for me. It, it kind of detracted from everything else. So, Heather, they had bi- like biological bombs. So they were like suicide bombers themselves. Yeah. So- so what did you think about that? I really don't like this episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, like Patrick said, it, it really is just one that's playing off of religious zealots and, and kind of sending the same message that Star Trek always does, which is that it's bad. I think it was a pretty direct comment on 9-11 and what was, you know, what happened there. And right. trying to remember if we had any other attacks between then and when this episode came out um we did um we had uh one of the embassies okay yeah but uh and i can't remember which one but but I, well sorry to cut in oh, but go ahead. the one interesting factor is season 3 is to me just a, a commentary on 911 and this is actually taking the other side of that argument from what we see in the normal season right. whereas in the beginning, we're all gung ho to go there and kill every Zindi we can find, and Star Trek's kind of telling us, "Oh, slow down! Not everyone's the right. same." And in this one, it's taking it from the we're watching it kind of from the point of view of the terrorist who carried out the attacks, right. and once again showing you it's still just a small group of whatever that race is, because essentially what we we're led to believe is they're fighting their own race over mm-hmm. which way to take the religion. But well, see, the reason why I find this episode interesting is because that's what happens on our planet. Yeah. Right. And I mean, they boil it down to the simple fact of they believe that the expanse was created in nine days and we believe it's it's done in 10. Right. Which is when you boil it down to that, that's ridiculous. But those are the kind of arguments that people on our planet fight over and kill each other over for religion. Maybe not that simple, but I mean, like, for example, like I, I've said it before, I'm a Christian. Right. And 
I struggle with the idea of creationism. Even as a Christian, I believe there's a God, but I still struggle with the creationism. However, my religion doesn't tell me that I have to believe in creationism to go to heaven. All it tells me that I have to do is believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins, and that's what will get me into heaven. So whether or not I believe in God created everything in seven days or not is not going to prevent me from getting to heaven, at least as far as I understand my religion, right? So, but people will fight over things like that. And there are people on our planet who believe that the earth has been around for 6,000 years, and there's people on our planet who believe it's been around for 65 million years or whatever the number is, right? So, and that's something that I struggle with. But I think it's an interesting thing that it's boiling it down to this simple thing. And this episode also makes me think a lot of let that be your last battlefield from the original Star Trek series, Mm -hmm. right? You know, like almost to the point of, yeah, they're not half black and half white, but their religious symbol is on the opposite sides Mm -hmm. of their face. Their planet's been destroyed at the end of the episode and they still want to fight anyways. Right. So it's kind of a callback to that episode to me. Yeah. You know, I don't know. So I I enjoy this. It's, It's not my favorite of the four. It's my least favorite of the four, but I still think it's a powerful episode and it's an interesting story to, bring up discussion with i i think i think so also like it's a very tense episode and it's not one of my favorites but i appreciate what they're saying or what they're trying to say or they're bringing it from that angle you know there's still a lesson you know even in most star trek episodes even if they're not that great there can still be something that can be taken from it and this was taking it very extreme. I mean, it's like they they were putting it in, okay, this could happen on Earth or it has happened on Earth, but here it is in space. These aliens see these spheres, so they must be created by a god or gods, and they worship the spheres, you know, or the sphere builders or whoever would, would have whoever would have created them. So it is a different take, you know, because you're seeing it from the point of view of the, like you said, of the terrorists you know, in this case, or just the, the people that this is how we believe and you don't believe this way. So obviously we're right. And you're not, you know, and right. And what I found interesting is they deleted all the information about the spheres. Oh, that was painful. Very. That's a big blow, but it's like book burnings. I mean, we had them all over the world over different periods in different areas. Um, and also when his, when he uh, uttered the orders to have the person kill himself and it killed one of archers, He said, you know, I had to I had to make sure you knew our resolve, but I lost one in that too. And almost as if he thought Archer would feel bad for him, like, Yeah, you lost one. He's the guy who killed mine. I really don't care. You know, and he's like, But I'll pray for both of them. And even me sitting at home is like, I no, don't. No no, don't pray. You, that's horrible. Right. You caused this. There's no need to pray now. Yeah, they're true villains. Um and, and it's hard to to empathize. <laughs> with them because I think they're so villainous aside from, you know, the one couple I'm trying to remember Yarek. Was it Yarek? Was that his name? That was. Oh, right. Oh, with the, the wife who wanted the, yeah. uh, well, again, bring Bob, up and Sue. Just call him <laughs> Bob, Bob and Sue. Sue. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, I think that because they, they, they vilified, um, Prenom. He had a weird no, name. Prenom. Prenom was his, his religious title. Right. Dijamat. Dijamat. I, I think, for me, anyway, but because it was just very hard to give him give him empathy, and ultimately, I think that detracted from the moral of the story and from making it more powerful. I think it did a bit of a disservice 
um, to them and, and to their religion because not everyone is a re religious zealot. Um, I don't know. I, I get that he was supposed yeah. to be bad, but... Right, yeah, and that, you're not empathizing him because he is a bad guy, and you're not supposed to empathize him. And, I mean, I think part of the episode that's weak is that this whole thing relies on the fact that there's people within his religious ship here that don't agree with him. And it's up to Archer to make them realize that it's a bad way and, oh, yay, I'm Archer and I'm going to bring you over to my side. And that's kind of the frustrating thing I have with the episode. I almost think the episode would have been better if maybe there was nobody that was questioning his religious orders and they were all crazy right. zealots on this. Right, I almost think because when they go back to the planet, the entire planet has been wiped out. So that leads me to believe that these people are all crazy zealots, right? right? Like, so uh, it relies on that couple helping Archer, and that's what I think is the weak part of the episode. You know, let your, let that be your last battlefield. At the end of the episode, they're both crazy because they want to kill right. each other, right? So. You know, and that's what I think is part of the reason and part of the sadness of the ending of that episode even more, right? right? But I think but, one of the commentaries it's making is that you don't need everyone to be the same kind of religious zealot. You just need enough in the right positions to push each the others into the war. Like if you had if you had a group that wasn't really religious, or they were religious but they you know, they kind of just, oh, let you believe what you want to believe. You, you, I'll believe what I want to believe and let's, you know, move on. But you had another group that was trying to bash that theory in on you. You'd eventually fight back. Maybe not to make them believe what you want, but to let you believe what you want. Do you, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. That makes sense. Right. Um, yep. And the fact that they, the, the, the one couple wants out, that's one of the things I like about it. Because right around then, wasn't that the, just after, no, that was earlier, um... I was thinking that was Heaven's Gate, but that was about seven years earlier. But I'm sure there was some cult going on somewhere in the world at that time. There always is one. But, you know, there were people who were always leaving things like different cults or even religions like, and here in America it's considered a religion, not everywhere in the world, but Scientology. And people can't get out of them. It's just, it's almost impossible. And they, But they want to, and this was their way of not forcing their child into that life. Yeah, this is definitely an interesting episode. I mean, it's... It, it has some touchy situations, you know, or, or tucks on some touchy topics. Uh, I actually thought of it as a cult and this was a leader of a cult and they, you know, they believe nine days, you know, that the spheres were built in nine days and the other guy was in 10 and Archer asked, you know, and, and that's why you've been fighting for a century. Really? You know I mean? So it was, it does, it is, it does bring the, la let this be your last battlefield. Cause, cause yeah. that, that really, you know, that's kind of an obvious, you know, because it's when they really say what this is, it's like, oh, my goodness. It's so very similar. I, I think that Gene Roddenberry would be very happy with this episode. <laughs> um, ultimately, I mean, this it's it's a very anti-religious episode to me. I don't know if you guys felt that at all. Yes, absolutely. And I, I do find that frustrating with Star Trek, especially as a Christian. Yeah. Right. But, you know. I still like the episode, but I do find it a frustrating. I episode. just felt it was just a bit too much, um, and I think that that they could have made Dejmat probably said his name wrong. Sorry, um, Dejanes. <laughs> I like that one better. Dijon. I think Dijon, they could Dijonais. have Dijon and Mayonnaise together. They they could have made him um, just a little bit more dynamic. 
Um, and I, I can't, I want to compare him so much to Gulducott, and I can't because, you know, Gulducott was a character that was um, developed over a very, very long time. Um, but for me, he's the kind of villain that you hate him, but you're, you're compelled by him. Um, and I, I feel like this guy could have had a little bit of that to, to make me enjoy this episode a bit more. Um, and it didn't. So I just think the placement of this episode is terrible. It's really why I don't particularly care for it. I think it takes away from the story. It tells a similar story, but takes away from the whole Zindi arc. Yeah, the one thing that we get out of it is we bring back the spheres, right? This is the third time we've seen the yes, spheres, I yeah. think. Yeah, so it brings back the spheres. And I don't know if they had knew what they were going to do with the spheres, but it brings them back one more time. I mean, we get the number 59 out of here, and, and you know... Again, you get to Paul, the scientist, fighting with the religious guy, and you know, like you get that all over the place too. And you know, it's just, yeah, it's it's it, hitting the nail really on the head. But you know, so did let that be your last battlefield. I, I so. really enjoyed using the transporter. <laughs> that yes. was just, the, I think that was my favorite part of this episode. It was just, you know, such a clever, fun thing. So, Heather, what was your overall impression of this block? This four episode block um overall i i really enjoyed these episodes um i think for enterprise season four is really my favorite um but season three does a good job of ramping up to season four um and i especially with north star and similitude i mean i similitude is such a standout episode overall Mm -hmm. um north star comes in second i just think it was a really fun story and again it was a great moral um wrapped up in one episode I like them, but Chosen Realm, like, honestly, I almost fell asleep and I had to say, no, I cannot take a nap during this episode because I have to talk about it on the podcast. Um, but, you know, again, I really, I think there's, there's a core message to that one. I like that all of these episodes call back to, to previous Star Trek episodes and that, that could be a good thing and that could be a bad thing. Um, you know, we know that that in Enterprise we were running out of ideas, right? But remember, this is a prequel, so it actually hasn't happened anywhere else yet, right? So <laughs> That's a positive, and I like that. I like that, and I like that we had, um, you know, two, two fun, expensive episodes that were not on the ship, and then the two bottle episodes. It was nice to have, you know, not, not four bottle episodes or something. So overall, you know, I had fun doing this and, and I'm, I'm excited that I got to watch these episodes, even if I really didn't like one of them. Okay. Very good. So Patrick, (laughs) what did you think about this block? I actually love this block. I think that the three, the first three episodes I just love in general, like they said, the last one, I'm not a big fan of it, but I think it's more placement than the episode itself. I love the fact that all of them have some moral discussion and even though I didn't like the last one, I mean, I could debate that episode for right. hours. And that's true of all of them, which is why I watch Star Trek. Mm-hmm. I want those moral and ethical issues to come out and be discussed and talked about. And each one of them hits a very important one. You know, the first one is slavery. The second one is... Um, is the cloning. Uh, cloning, the third. Right. Yeah, and then you have the third one, which is bio-warfare and what, what's, what, what are you willing to do to, to do it. And the last one being uh, cults or religious zealots or both sides of that. So, all in all, I, I think it's it's a phenomenal set of four for that that reason alone. I would watch it just to debate those episodes. Very good. You know, Brandon, what 
and uh, we didn't do this before, so real quick, uh, someone on Babel Conference, just send us a math equation, we'll answer it for you <laughs> on the Babel Conference, because we just have nothing to do this time. <laughs> Very good. And Brandon, what, what did you feel, how did you feel about these four episodes? I think this is a very strong block. I think it's the strongest of the three that we've covered so far. Um, it, it was it was really good, and I basically agree with Patrick. The first three I think are really good, and while I don't think that the last one is as good as those three, it's better than some of the ones we've seen this season so far. Like I definitely prefer this episode to Regine, right. to um, uh, Extinction. You know, like so, I, I don't think this is by far the worst episode we've seen of the season. And uh, well, it hits the message of the the nail of the, on the head, pretty pretty much centered there. I think it's given us a lot to talk about and some good stuff. And and uh, I've I've had a lot of fun tonight. I think all four of these episodes have given us some great discussion. Yeah, actually, yeah, these four they're pretty solid. I mean, you know, North Star I love, uh, Similitude I love, uh, Carpenter Street. Uh, you will I'll, love. I'll, you know, I got I got to go watch it again now for all the to, for the references <laughs> in it. You know, and actually, Chosen Realm. It's I like it. I mean, it's 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 better than a lot of other things. You know, not even in Star Trek, but outside. I mean, it's it's if you go for it and you go fish for like the meaning or what they're really trying to say, or you can usually find something in Star Trek episode. And even Chosen Realm has something for that. So yeah, I really like that. So Heather, if our listeners would like to talk to you a little bit more about uh, enterprise how could they get in touch with you um i am lla posper on twitter and i would love to talk about star trek so please follow me very good very good and patrick how could our listeners how about your do you have any podcasts that you oh well there? yeah i can mention that too sorry i'm off in enterprise land so yeah <laughs> i'm the co-host of shore leave um that is part of the tricorder transmissions network so uh, we're on Twitter, we're on Facebook, we're all over the place. Um, just Google us and we'll pop up. Very good, very good. And Patrick, if our listeners would like to get in touch with you to discuss this block or just season three in general, how can they get in touch with you? Um, as, as we stated before, so people are already cursing me out there. Uh, Magic Drop 5 on Twitter, one word. The five is a number, not a word. Remember, and- he thought he's the one that thought... Killing Sim was the easy decision. No, that's not what I said at all. Um, But now that I'm being yelled at for it, uh, the Babel Conference, I'm always checking it out. I don't always respond, but if you yell at me about Sim dying, I'll promise I'll respond and post your math questions. I'm pretty good at it. A squared plus B squared equals C squared. I got it down. Very good. Very good. Very good. So Star Trek Westerns is not the only thing we've been talking about on Trek FM this week. So here's what you may have missed elsewhere on the network. Previously on Trek.FM, Literary Treks. McCoy eventually gets command of the Enterprise. And one of the reasons for this is that he makes little comments to Kirk occasionally about how he has a cushy job. You know, he's got, oh, this nice, comfortable chair he can sit in. Because McCoy at this point... He's got a lot of people getting sick on the Enterprise. There's colds, there's broken legs or whatever. I mean, there's just, for some reason, sick bay is busy. The 602 Club. There's a certain aspect to what's happening with superhero stories where they really sort of want the villains to be more complex and they want you to sometimes sympathize with them and have their um, personas be you know deeper richer you know perhaps not so pure evil the ready room yeah i think it's almost like a journal or a diary entry a verbal diary 
<laughs> reflection in the middle of the episode yep. when he's reflecting on society. And it's the thing that I love about it, it's all very socially aware and well-written. It's really well done. But Spock's, <laughs> Spock's verbal um, description of everything going on struck, you know, struck me this time. This would be like if in The Next Generation you hear Captain's Log, First Officer William Riker, <laughs> recording for Captain Picard, who's currently on holiday. <laughs> and that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. Check out these shows and find out what we're talking about in your favorite corner of the Star Trek universe. If you're an Apple user, be sure to hit the subscribe button in Apple Podcasts on iPhone, iPad, Apple TV, or the desktop iTunes app to get the latest episodes as soon as they are published. And while you're there, please leave us a star rating and written review. If you're not an Apple user, we've still got you covered. You can find our shows on Google Play Music, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spreaker, SoundCloud, Windows Phone, in most third-party apps, and you can stream and download the MP3 file or grab the RSS link from our website. We'd love to hear your thoughts on today's show, and there are many ways you can do that. The best way to join in the larger discussion is the Babel Conference, our listeners group on Facebook. Just type B-A-B-E-L into the search field on Facebook and join in on all the fun. You can also find the network on Twitter at TrekFM and on Facebook at Facebook.com slash TrekFM. And if you'd like to send us a voice transmission, the comm officer has the frequency open. Just go to SpeakPipe.com slash TrekFM, record your message, and Brandon Shea will add it to a future episode. If you'd like to send us an email, you can use the form on our website at trek.fm slash contact. Choose to send to a show and select Warp 5. That'll come right to us. If you'd like to help us keep all of our shows coming to you each week, you can become a patron of the network on Patreon. Visit patreon.com slash trek.fm. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash trek.fm to get all the details. You can get in there and you can find all kinds of perks for patrons. You can, for one dollar... A month you can actually be helping our network but for five dollars a month you actually get access to the patron zone and then it goes up from there you can get producer credits you can get exclusive content in the patron zone and you can just help out more and more in the network so if that sounds good to you please visit patreon.com slash trek fm thank you so much for that also if you can if you want to wear your trek fm fandom you can find great trek fm themed merchandise at trekfm.store I always like to thank our co-associate producers, Mike Morrison, Tim Cooper, and Justin Oser. I also like to thank Brandon Shea for editing and publishing Warp 5 and Tony Robinson for creating the very cool show art. So, Brandon, if our listeners would like to talk to you about this block of episodes, uh, how could they reach you? Well, you can find me on Twitter, at Brandon Metella. I poke my head up every once in a while in the Babel Conference. And you can find me here on the network with new episodes of Melodic Treks, which is all about the music of Star Trek, as well as over on the Fandom Podcast Network with my friends Chris and Tom, where we have our podcast called Good Evening, an Alfred Hitchcock podcast. And Floyd, where can people find you if they would like to talk to you? Well, I poke my head up in the Babel Conference, usually. That's probably the best place to find me, the Trek FM listeners page on Facebook. So, Boomers, thank you for listening and join us again next time for another episode of Warp 5.